0: Good morning. We want to welcome you to this morning's service. We want to continue our sermon series that we started last week entitled Status Update. If you missed last week, we talked about what kind of friend we need to be to others. And this morning, I want to talk to you about one friend away. And uh, I want us to I want to read to you the thought that's going to carry us through all the four weeks that we're into this series. And it's this show me your friends and I will show you your future. Show me your friends, and I will show you your future. The truth is your friends will always determine the quality and the direction of your life. So if you show me your friends, I will show you your future. Solomon said this in Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, last week's message, again, was show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Future. Now, last week, we built the foundation, and we got a lot of positive response from people from that message. Matter of fact, some people expressed that they are, had addictions to social media. Some others talked about even, even being worried about being able to get on the phone and have conversations with people. One person told me that they had many Facebook friends, but when when I asked them to write down the five closest people to them on last Sunday morning, they told me they couldn't put down one single person in all their friends they had that they felt was close enough to be their, their friend. So many of us would say we're so busy and yet we're trying to be connected with social media and, and, and but something is missing in spite of all the friends on social media, something is missing. There's a nagging sense on the inside that something is not quite right sometimes with us. And deep down, we believe that there must be something more relational than what we're actually experiencing. And in fact, I would argue that the reason is that many of us are very impoverished in a way that we don't even recognize. We are lacking something, and sometimes we can't put our finger on what it is. In fact, sociologists Tell us about three different types of poverty. And the number one is material poverty. And we all know what that is, is the lack of having things. And number two is spiritual poverty. We may have all the physical wealth in the world, and yet spiritually, we can't, we can't still feel that we're complete. Something is missing in our lives, with no real eternal hope in our lives. We're going around in our lives kind of feeling empty, but the type of poverty that we may most impact our lives that we're missing the most is the three, and that's relational poverty. And we can have people all around us. We can be heavily connected via the internet and, and out there and all the social media, and inwardly, we're longing for more intimacy and deeper community with people. And many of us are deeply impacted By relational poverty. And so we look at it and we think something is wrong. Something is wrong in my life. Something is missing in my life. And I would say maybe it's not something that is missing, but instead it is someone that is missing in your life. And that brings us to our key takeaway for this message. You may be one friend away. From changing the course of your destiny. You may be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. And I mean this with all my heart. You may be one friend away, just one friend away from something positive happening to change the destiny of your life. You can see it again and again in our lives as we as people see live our lives as well as people within the Bible. We see this happening with them too. In fact, in Acts chapter nine, I want to show you the very Very clearly how the Apostle Paul believed. And the whole direction of his life was changed because of one friendship that he had. And in Acts 9, 26, it says, when Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. Now, what does this mean? Well, before Paul became the Apostle Paul, his name was Saul. He was a rabbi of rabbis. He was highly educated, highly schooled, highly accepted among the upper echelons of not only the Roman Empire but the Jewish the Jewish uh, uh, religious leaders. But he was also a man that persecuted the Christians. He was known for that. His zeal for the Mosaic Law was so deep that he felt that Christians were totally wrong. So he set on a campaign to destroy Christianity. He was given letters and permission to go from region to region persecuting uh, Christians and having them killed. So now he's a Christian and God calls him to preach the gospel. Now all the Christians that were there now begin to say, wait a minute. I don't trust this guy. Last week he was killing Christians and persecuting them. And now you're telling me that he's preaching the gospel? No, no, no. I don't want him to come to my Bible study. I don't want him to come to my small group. Matter of fact, I don't even want to show up to our church. Now let's go back to Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 26. And when Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas, his friend, listen to this. Barnabas, his friend, took him and brought him to the apostles. Now watch, we're going to watch now as Barnabas puts his own credibility on the line to vouch for Saul. But it says, but Barnabas took him in. He brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So, what happened? I don't want you to miss this. God used one person, Barnabas, to change the course of Paul's destiny. And the Apostle Paul went on to write more than half of the New Testament. He impacted literally millions and millions and millions of people. And the course of history was changed because God used one frame. One friend to change his destiny. And the same is true with every single one of us. You literally may be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. And listen, because and this is important. Just don't look for a friend who's just going to be like you. For example, if you're a teenager, 16, 14, 15, 16 years of age, most likely you're going to look for friends that are within your age bracket. If you're in your 20s and single, you're going to be looking for people in the 20s that are single. If you're married, you're going to be looking for couples to become your friends that are within your age bracket that are married. But we got to realize that God loves to use different generations with different experiences to impact one another. So sometimes it's good to have friends from different backgrounds, different age brackets that bring different things into our life. I remember in 1972 when I was going through the Teen Challenge Farm in Marysburg, Pennsylvania. I began to go through a hard time because I would sit in our classes. And they had a school building, and they had classes, and we had chapel services in the morning and at night, and I would go to chapel, and I didn't feel the presence of the Lord. And all the guys were raising their hands and singing and praising the Lord. They were excited for the messages, and I would sit there, and I'm wondering, but well, what's wrong with me? And I'd go to class. We had great teachers that taught us all kinds of things, and I would sit there, and they all got excited, and they would chime in. I did my work, but I didn't feel anything. And all of a sudden, I began to feel I'm wasting my time here. God doesn't want me here. God doesn't love me. God, God gave up on me because I was my disobedience. And one day, as I was walking through the hallway, Brother Rainbow, who was the, the dean of men, he called me and he said, Ron, I want to talk to you. I feel in my heart that I need to share something with you. And then the first thing he asked me, what's wrong? What's going on in your life? And I told him what I was experiencing. He said, don't worry about it. I have four sons. I myself was a preacher's kid. And it's a lot harder for us because we, he said, you have heard all kinds of sermons in the time you were little. You've been through all the Sunday school classes, all the Bible study. This is all secondhand to you. But for the, all these other guys that are here, they've never been to church. They weren't raised in Christianity. So it's all new to them. So it's all a new love for them. But with you, because you grew up in church and you heard it, it's going to be a little harder for you, but you're going to have to press in. Don't give up. God loves you. God cares. Just press in by faith, walk by faith, not by sight. Don't give up. God has his hand on your life. And something happened to me because God began to change that. And I began to press in and I began to rebuke the devil and begin to believe that God had something in my life. And that day, because of that conversation, changed the destiny of my life. God used one friendship, one conversation to totally transform my destiny. And you may be one friend or one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. And what I want to do the rest of our time together, I want to show you three different types of friendships that every person needs. And I bet that almost every one of you will see at least one of these types of friendships that are missing from those that God would have in your life. And we're going to look at King David from the Old Testament. And look at three friends that helped him become who God wanted him to be. And the first one was Samuel. Every single one of us, we need some friends to make us better. Now, let me give you the context as this story here Saul was the king of of, of Israel. At this point in the story, Saul was disobedient, living on partial obedience. Doing part of what God wanted and part of what he wanted. And God finally said, enough is enough. And he lifted his spirit off of Saul. He said, he'll no longer be the king. Though he remained in the kingdom, he was, as far as God was concerned, he was no longer the king. And God rejected him. And God called the prophet Samuel and told Samuel, go to anoint and anoint the next king. So Samuel went to the house of a man called Jesse, who had a bunch of boys, and he told Jesse, bring your boys out one at a time, because I want to look at them. He brought the oldest son, who was handsome, strong, tall, and Samuel thought, surely this one must be the one chosen by God, and God said to Samuel, not a chance, not him, So he looked at the next oldest son and surely this must be him. And God told Samuel, not a chance. This one is not the one. And after he went through all of his sons, he kind of asked God, what's going on here? And God told Samuel, Samuel, the problem is that you look at the things that people look at. They look at the outside of a person, but I look at his heart and you're failing to do that. So Samuel asked, Jesse, Jesse, do you have any other more sons? And he said, well, yeah, I got one little boy out there. He's a little pimple-faced kid out there uh, taking care of a bunch of sheep. He said, go send for him. And Jesse reluctantly said, okay, and he brought him in. And when he brought him in, God put it on Samuel's heart. And this is what the Lord said to Samuel in 1 Samuel sixteen twelve. Rise and anoint him. I have chosen David. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And what's interesting to me is that there was not a single person who saw in David what God allowed Samuel to see in him. And he looked at David and he said, God can do more through you than you could ever imagine. And he helped him to get better in a way that would change the course of his destiny. So the question is this who are your friends? Who do you hang around with? Chances are they just kind of happened accidentally. It could be the guy you met at the gym. It could be the person at the office. It could be the person that their son, as well as yours, or your daughter, they all play baseball or they play, they do soccer, or they they they're in school together. It could be the student that's next to you and the Math class. It just happened by accident that you became friends. But I want to ask you, do they make you better? Because you could be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. Do you have someone in your life who helps make you better at the things that matter most in your life? Do you have a friend that helps you make your marriage better? If you're hanging around with a bunch of people with bad marriages, I'm going to tell you right now, They're not going to make your marriage better. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. If you want to be a better leader, if you want to be a better person with finances, if you want to be a better better husband, a better wife, if you want to be a better employer, whatever you want to be, you got to surround yourself with people that make you better. And at the same time, God wants to use you to help you to make other people better. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And the truth is that we need someone who makes us better. The second person we're going to look at is Jonathan. You see, we all need a friend like Jonathan that can spiritually strengthen us. Every single one of us who follow Christ needs somebody that is spiritually strong to spiritually strengthen our lives. So let me fast forward the story of David. Even though David, even God had chosen David to be the king over Israel, at this point he wasn't. Saul was still on the throne, but David became a warrior, a war hero. And it, the custom of that day was that when The generals or the king, they would go out to battle with the soldiers. When they would come back victorious, they would have a big parade in the city. And the the generals would march up front. And behind them was all the spoils and the prisoners that they took. And the people would bring instruments out and they would sing and chant. And when David would come back to town, they would sing. And Saul heard this. They would sing, Saul has killed his 10,000, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And Saul is hearing this stuff, and he's like, you know what? That makes me angry. This guy is taking my glory. This guy is getting famous here. And the Bible says that Saul really got jealous of David, and he set out to kill him because he didn't like him, because he thought he was trying to take his throne, Because he was getting all the attention. So he decided, I'm going to try to kill David. And we pick up the story in 1 Samuel 23, 15 and 16. And it says that while David was at Harash, At the desert of Seath. He learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son. His very own son Jonathan went to David at Haresh. And what did he do? Listen to what he did. He helped him find strength in God. Saul's very son, Jonathan, goes to David. And he helps him spiritually. Listen, every single one of you, you need those friends to help you find spiritual strength. Because it doesn't matter how mature you are. We all get tempted. We all get down. We all have problems. We all go to moments of doubt and confusion in our lives. We all are fighting battles. And when everyone else walks out, you need a friend that walks in and says, I'm with you. I'm not just going to pray for you, but I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to strengthen you in the things of the Lord. You see, this is what we need. This is friends. Do you have that in your life? I'm talking about somebody who wakes up in the middle of the night and God speaks to them about you. And the next day they call you up and they say, hey. I've had you on my heart. I have you in my mind. I'm praying for you. I'm I'm, I'm interceding for you. I'm believing God for you. God has given me a scripture for you. I want to share with you. I'm here for you no matter what. And no matter what happens around you, I'm not going to put you down. I'm not going to let go. I'm going to be there for you because we're in this thing together. Do you have those people to help you find spiritual strength? Because if you don't, you may be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. And not only do you want those friends to be there in your life, but you also don't want to rob yourself of the blessing of doing the same to others. And that's when you lift others up. And you share with others and you let God use you to speak and to help others. Not just friends who have fun with you and you want to run around and do things that are fun. But friends that help each other to make each other better in times that really matter. And help find spiritual strength that only God can give us. That's the kind of friends we're talking about. And we're going to look at those friends and help us get better. Here's the third person. Nathan. You see, because we all need a friend who will tell us the truth. You see, we need a friend who will really speak truth into our life. And here's what happened to David. If you know, he was a man after God's own heart. That's what the Bible said. And God was pleased with him and God had blessed him. And then one day he took his eyes off God and he fell into the trap of sin. Committed adultery. He broke the heart of God, but the whole kingdom, he put the whole kingdom at risk with his particular sin. The problem was that he didn't see the gravity of what he did. So God sent Nathan to him to tell him the truth. And Nathan sits David down and says, let me tell you a story. And Nathan begins to tell David this story. This is the story he tells him. There was a rich, rich man who owned hunt thousands of cattle and he owned many, many sheep. And he was very wealthy in property and in, and in goods. And then there was this man who was very poor, who had a small family and a little lamb that him and his family loved. And they cared, it was like a pet. They brought him in the house and ate with them and they held him as he slept. He played with his children, the only lamb he had. And the custom of the day was that when a traveler would come to visit you, you'd take whatever lamb you had and you killed it and you fed it to the visitor. So one day a traveler came to visit the rich man and the rich man, instead of killing one of his little lambs and, and cooking it to give it to the traveler, he went to the poor guy, took his little lamb, he killed it and he fed it to his traveling friend. And now... Nathan is telling this story to David. And David was like, that's the worst thing I ever heard, man. This guy, we need to do something about this guy. This guy is bad. That's the worst thing I ever heard. How could somebody ever do that? And in 2 Samuel uh, 12, 7, Nathan looked at David and it says, you're that man. You're that man. That's what he said. You did it. You're that man. And he loved him enough to tell him the truth. And suddenly David saw what he, had, what he had not been able to see before. And he was brokenhearted before God. And he was repented before God. And if you go have time to read Psalm 51, you see how David repents. He said, search me, O Lord, and see if there's any wicked way in me. And it goes on that whole chapter about him repenting for this sin. And he prayed that prayer right after Nathan confronted him and told him the truth. And I would ask you this when is the last time that you had a friend who loved you enough to tell you, don't go there? Don't do that. That is stupid for you to do that. You're gonna mess yourself up. Your whole course of your life is gonna get ruined. What you're doing is not gonna work. You're going to hurt your family. You're going to hurt your testimony. You're going to hurt your relationship with God. Hey, I see something in you that you don't see and God has his hand on you. When was the last time you had somebody to be able to speak to you that way? How many times don't we see Christians going over a cliff and because we want to be their buddy, we don't say nothing. And after they've gone over the cliff, we say, oh, I knew that was going to happen, but you didn't do anything about it. You let it happen. You let your friend go over the cliff and get messed up because you were too busy not want to be their friend instead of really, really being that spiritual leadership that they needed. Proverbs 27, five and six says, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Or maybe when you're facing a great opportunity in front of you and you're feeling fearful about it, to have a friend to come to you and say, You need to go for it, man. Do what it is, God's called you. Don't be afraid, if God's given you that vision, go for it. You need to have faith. You need to try that which God wants you to do. You need to apply for that position and and you need to go to school and you need to go take that job. Things may change, but you need to move on. God has opened the door, go for it. I'm talking about a friend that will tell you the truth. Do you have that kind of a friend? Because if you don't, you may be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. And if if you just give me permission, I want to say this. Some of you, you will never become who God wants you to be because you're relationally impoverished. You're poor when it comes to your relationships. And if you continue with only one or two close friends, realize this, that God does not intend for you to be that way. He wants you to have 6, seven, eight, 20 friends, good friends, close friends who will do life together with you, who will pour into one another, who will serve one another, who will encourage one another, who will bless one another, who will give to one another, who exhort one another, who will correct one another. And you may just be a few friends away from changing the course of your destiny. Show me your friends and I promise you I can show you your future. For some of you, when I look at your friends, your future is new addictions that you didn't have. For some of you, your future, you're headed towards a divorce, that your friends have contributed to it. For some of you, your future could be in jail because of your friends. For the majority of you, your friends aren't going to lead you to jail, but but they'll tell you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. They're going to lead you to some or more of the same old stuff you're doing that's not leading you to a spiritual walk. But it leads you to the same old lukewarmness, spiritual deadness. Coming to church, but there's nothing there that's burning. It's just doing doing your Sunday duty, being in church. It's a self-centered life that's all about you. Accumulating things that never satisfy you. It's when the highlight of your life is going... To a football game. When the highlight of your life is going to the beach or going to the lake, going to the river, when that's the highlight of your life, how sad, you got to know that something is wrong. When you don't know there's anything wrong because that's all you see around you. But the truth is this, you may be one friend away from changing the destiny of your life. You may be one friend away from having a marriage that you always wanted it to have. You may be one friend away from becoming the parent that you know you could always be. To impart spiritual life to generations to come. For children who would fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with everything of them. You may be one friend away from being more generous than you've ever been both with your finances and with your time. You may be one friend away from overcoming the addictions that have been in your family for years and breaking that bondage. You may be one friend away from learning how to better care for your body, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and add 10 more years to your life. You may be one friend away from tapping into the power of what God is doing in this church and getting involved to be used of God to reach this community. But using your God-given gifts to serve someone else for his glory and for his kingdom, that's what God wants. You may be one friend away from waking up with divine purpose and living that higher calling that God has called you to live. And there are those of you that you may be one friend away from meeting the risen God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will become a friend that sticks closer than a brother and will introduce you to a holy God who will simultaneously be the king of kings, a friend that will never, never, never leave you nor forsake you, a friend that you would never, never thought possible in your life and all of a sudden you come into that relationship. You could be one friend away, that's why we encourage you to get involved in small groups because you can develop friends there, to have friends that'll help you in your walk. We don't do life alone, we do life in groups. You show me your friends and I'll promise you, I'll show you your future. So what you need to do is to have those kind of friends. You gotta do what your mama always told you to do. You gotta get the kind of friend that you wanna be. So what are you going to do? You're going to help others get better? Find spiritual strength? Love them enough to tell tell them the truth? Iron is going to sharpen iron. And you're going to be conformed to the image of Christ. And your life is going to count because you walked with with the wise and will be wise. But a companion of fools, don't go there because it will hurt you and it will hurt you bad. You need to find friends that love God and are willing to speak into your life the good, the bad, and the ugly. I want us to bow our heads in a word of prayer. And if you're here, listen to me. Online, and you need God to touch you, and you need to change your friendships, and you realize that those that you're hanging out with are not helping you get any better in your walk with life. They may sound great and say they love you, but you are not feeling it. Something is missing, and that something that you're missing is Jesus. I want you to right now, just to bow your heads where you're at and say, Lord, come into my life. Cleanse me, Father. Forgive me of my sins and make me whole, Father. Give me friendships that count. I want to be part of your family, Lord. Maybe you're, maybe you're listening online, and maybe you need to say, God, I'm going to give up some of these friends. I'm your child but I'm hanging around with the wrong people. I'm listening to the wrong advice. The advice I'm getting is destroying me and taking me further away from you. Help me to make the right choices that I can live for you. Father, minister to people this morning, Lord. And Father, we thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.